13, beginning at verse 23. Jesus answered, Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but it is from the Father who sent me. I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I am coming to you. If you love me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Grace to all of you and peace from God, our Creator, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Great and glorious God, thank you for this moment in our week, this moment when we can come into this holy place, open our hearts to your word, hold out our hands to receive the sacramental meal, your very presence in the bread and the wine. You touch us this day and nourish us and refresh us for the week ahead. For we are people of busyness and sometimes distraction. And we need this moment to find our center, our center which is in you and your great love for us and for the entire universe. In your holy and most blessed name we pray. Amen. Our second lesson today is from the book of Revelation. Now, you know that the book of Revelation is the very last book in the Bible. You also may be aware that the reputation of the book of Revelation is one of fear and judgment and battles. We think of the images we get from the book of Revelation, and what comes to our mind are the four horsemen of the apocalypse, 666, the Antichrist, Armageddon, apocalypse, fire, heaven, hell, separation of peoples, and we are terrified. We are affected by movies and books written about Revelation, movies like Apocalypse Now or Left Behind. Or paintings like the Sistine Chapel in Rome where uh, the last judgment is portrayed and we can see those people descending into the bowels of hell. And we are terrified. It's too bad. It's really too bad that Revelation has that reputation and that stereotype because the book of Revelation ends in chapter 21, which we just read from, on a very high note. It is a wonderful image that we, hit, we have in chapter 21 of the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven and everything is right and good and peaceful. And did you know that the holy city size is 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles deep, 1,500 miles high? It was the author's way of saying, it's big. <laughs> it's big enough for everybody. It's big enough for the universe to be here. It is an inclusive, wonderful, perfect image of justice and peace, kindness and compassion. And 
as described in the lesson today, a river runs through the city and out into the world. And on either side of the river are these trees filled with fruit for the healing of the nations. Of course, it's not literally true. It's too important to be taken literally. Let me say that again. It's too important to be taken literally. The holy city is a metaphor, as is the river that runs through the city. Another metaphor of God's intention for the entire creation. It is a hopeful, wonderful symbol of what God has in store for us. In fact, if we look at the Bible, we will see many times that God uses through the authors of the Bible images of water, of fountains, of rivers, of wells to describe God's refreshing presence and power. For example, in the book of John, there's a story about Jesus going to a well in the middle of the day, the heat of the day, when people are parched. A woman comes to the well, and she is there to draw out physical water. Jesus asks her, do you want also living water? that will sustain you to eternity. And that's not just life after death. Eternity means your spiritual self. Are you thirsty spiritually as well as physically? There's another image. When Jesus begins his ministry, there is a river involved. Do you know the name of that river? It's an easy question. The Jordan River. Jesus is baptized in the River Jordan. And he begins his ministry. He is washed with those waters. Moses was in a river as a little baby in this little basket, the River Nile. Ezekiel the prophet, you may not be fully aware of this imagery of river from Ezekiel. I'll tell you a little bit. Ezekiel is a prophet who lived five to 600 years before the time of Jesus. And he's writing to the Jewish people who have just lost a war. It was a devastating war where the entire city of Jerusalem was destroyed. Their home was destroyed. They were taken away hundreds of miles to live in captivity in another city, the city called Babylon, present-day Iraq. The Jewish people thought, well, that's the end of our life. That's the end of our society. And Ezekiel says, no, it's not. God's going to bring you back home. And God's going to make a way for you for, through the desert. Now, the desert in between Babylon and Jerusalem is called Saudi Arabia today. Hundreds of miles of sand and dryness. And Ezekiel says, all the way through that desert, there will be fountains and rivers of refreshing water and deep wells where you can refresh yourselves for the journey back home. Now, there aren't a lot of rivers or fountains or deep wells in that desert. Again, it's not to be taken literally. It's a story about our spiritual journey. It's a story as much for us today as it was for the Jewish people living in captivity those many years ago because Ezekiel knew that throughout all of time, people often live in their own kinds of deserts. And they take many different There can be a desert called loneliness or grief. There can be a desert called anxiety 
or apathy. There could be a desert called dysfunction or addiction. There could be a desert called, and you fill in the blank. And not just for us as individuals, for us as a society. Sometimes it feels like we're in a desert of political polarization or financial inequality or racial tension or gun violence. And it feels like we're almost lost and there's nowhere to find refreshment. Today's lesson speaks to us about God intending refreshment for us along the way to our home to our security, to a peaceful world, even though we walk in the desert much of our existence. And God works not only through the Bible, but in many different places and through many different people. Sometimes God works through musicians. Thank you, Arif. Sometimes through authors, poets, teachers, coaches. God's out there in the world way ahead of us. God is not limited to the church or to the Bible. And sometimes we'll get this refreshing imagery in the midst of our desert through novels. And there's one particular novel that actually uses the word river in it. And the whole theme of the book is exactly the theme of Revelation chapter 21. The name of the book is called A River Runs Through It. Written by a man named Norman McLean, who with his family lived near Missoula, Montana in the 1920s. The story is about a family, been made into a movie as well, which is fairly dysfunctional. There are two brothers, there's a dad, there's a mom who's pretty much silent throughout the book. The dad is a Presbyterian preacher, hardcore kind of preacher. Not what you have with Pastor Katie and me. Just <laughs> and the brothers get along sometimes, sometimes don't. A lot of dysfunction, but they have one thing in common. They all love to go fly fishing to the big Blackfoot River. And we will go there during the novel a few times. And each time we go there with the brothers and the dad, it feels holy. It feels special. As they commune not just with nature, but with the divine. And we realize that they're drawing strength from that river to return to their desert, to face the world differently than if they had not been to that river. It's a wonderful image, a deep lesson. And at the very end of the novel and the movie, the older brother is the only one left living. He is now an elderly man. And you know he's near death. And he comes to the river one last time. And he stands on the shore and watches the water, looks at the caverns that are ragged and tough, sees the trees along the river and the blue sky above. This is his soliloquy. Of course, now I am too old to be much of a fisherman. And now I usually fish the big waters alone. 
But when I am alone in the half-light of the canyon, all existence seems to fade into a unity within my soul, my memories, and the sounds of the big Blackfoot River. Eventually, all things merge into one, and a river runs through it. The river reminds the old man that he will very soon be swept into the greater ocean of holiness we call eternity. And we, the reader, the viewer, get the distinct impression that it is all good. It is all as it should be even carrying our grief and our loneliness. It is exactly the same message you see as Revelation chapter 21. The holy city come down out of heaven. Such is our destiny, you see. Such is our future. But when we're in the deserts of life, we tend to forget and so God has granted us this great gift of rivers and fountains and deep wells that come to us in the midst of our wandering as we try to find our home. Those rivers, those fountains, take many forms. Oftentimes, people in our lives are fountains of refreshment for us, reminding us of that which is good and holy and right. Sometimes those fountains take the form of some news article buried in the back pages, of some selfless action on the part of someone we have never met. And we find refreshment in the midst of our political deserts. Whatever form the fountains take for you, I guarantee you there will be rivers in your desert. One such river week by week, is right here in this church and by this baptismal font. For this font for us is very much like the big Blackfoot River. And we are the old man standing on the edge of eternity, this fountain, this river, this metaphor, this sacrament, reminding us of God's intention for us and for the created order. And we realize it is all good. And this sustains us, gives us perspective and courage and strength to return to our deserts, knowing that God has a plan for us. You and I all have our deserts of dysfunction and disappointment and disaster and death. 
but I guarantee you a river of life-giving water runs through it all. And it is good. Amen. Page 9. Please stand.